2022 has dealt us a fair share of crap cannolis, with everything from gas prices and inflation to the inflated gas bag that is Elon Musk. But no one could have prepared us for what our eyes had to watch as we prepared for this episode. So sit back, grab your Pepto-Bismol and some extra strength ibuprofen, because we're about to go through a bevy of badness in this edition of Grading on a Curve. Welcome everyone to the year-end edition of Grading on a Curve, and it's not that bad production. I'm Jay, and I have a slew of movies and a slew of guests to go through all the crap that 2022 served us. We are looking at five of the worst movies released in this calendar year so as i introduce each of our guests i'm going to apologize to each of them profusely first things first joining the show for the first time ever if you listened to the hudson hawk or hudson hawk episode you heard my best friend morgan now there is another his son martin has joined the show for the first time martin welcome to grading on the curve how you doing man doing all right happy to be here all right so let me throw this at you here. When the offer was made for you to join the show, and then you had to find out what movies we were watching, uh, how much did you start to question your life choices? Uh, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, getting getting through the first few wasn't too difficult, but uh, as we're getting down the list, it was kind of like, oh, I'm still doing this, huh? <laughs> I'm still here. This is one of those things where when Netflix says, are you still watching? It's not exactly uh, just a, a programming issue. Uh, it, it's an intervention at that point. I got the message. <laughs> why are you still watching? <laughs> why is Gamora? Uh, you heard her voice and she's here in person. My lovely wife, Carrie, is here. Carrie, how quickly did you want to divorce me for watching these five films? <laughs> <laughs> if I answer, it's on record. <laughs> <laughs> I do want my 10 hours back of my life, though. <laughs> Was, uh, did it equal 10 hours? I mean, it felt like it, but did it? Oh, I, it felt a lot longer <laughs> than that. <laughs> 10 years, maybe. And joining us as well, the man who has been on this show so many times, we have started to leave places for him at the dinner table, and I'm pretty sure he has a stocking over at the fireplace. Greg from Movie Date Night is back. Greg, welcome back. How you doing, man? Been a real naughty boy after all the things I said about these movies. <laughs> okay, as long as it's not like Violent Night naughty, because that, 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 hey, that was a great 2022 movie. Heck um, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I wish we were talking about that one. That, that would so be good. one thing I did, and I'll pass this on to anyone else who's listening as a fun little game you can play at your holiday parties. Get a collection of photos of all the actors who have played Santa Claus from different movies, including David Harbour from Violent Night, and then ask them the pres the question, present or pass? Meaning like the smasher pass, except the question is, would you sit on this man's lap for a present? Oh. Oh. Or pass. That's that's so for example, some of the options I have, of course, is David Harper from Violent Night. Um, I have Dan Aykroyd from Trading Places. He's in a Santa suit. Ooh, pass. Um I of course have um Ed Asner from Elf. Mm, present. Um, Kurt Russell from the Christmas Chronicles. Oh, present. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, like couldn't say it hard enough. Um, Billy Bob Thornton from Bad Santa. Oh, hard present. pass. Hard you get, pass. Oh, ooh, Carrie is more of my friend now. Oh, you just know that if you got a little too close, you'd be smelling the eggnog. And there's, a little, there's something in the eggnog there. Right. Yeah. 
So yeah, so that's a fun little game. There's tons of other ones out there, but yeah. Have yeah. fun with Prisoner Pass, everybody. There's an episode of a podcast just waiting to happen on that one. I can just imagine. That is amazing. That's <laughs> that needs to that's happen. That's how my brain works, you know? And that's why we love you, dude. That's why we love yeah. you. Okay, so let's prepare everyone for this, okay? Five of the worst movies released in 2022. I don't, Jason, I'm sorry. I don't want to derail you. You did that incorrectly based upon the time of your run. Five sh- movies <laughs> yes i see i i should have done done broken down see how many oscar nominees are in there how many emmy nominees are in there and yeah well we're going to have a pentagon of pain and a pear tree on this one <laughs> so before we get into the movies let's find out what we're talking about in this pentagon of pain Prepare for the multiplex of madness in this melee of mediocrity that is the worst 2022 had to offer. In the first corner, a movie about it taking nine rounds to kill someone, which we all know is a lie because we still have to deal with 50 Cent. It's nine bullets. Up next... If you're still trying to find out what special sauce makes it possible for Pete Davidson to date every hot celebrity under the sun, let me tell you, this ain't the answer. It's the animated agony that is Marmaduke. Our third movie sees Kevin Hart in a relationship with someone way out of his league, only to find himself messing everything up and in a situation way over his head. In the man from Toronto. In our fourth movie, we watch a movie starring Kevin Hart in a relationship with someone way out of his league, only to find himself messing everything up and in a situation way over his head in me time. And finally, in a year that will see a biographical picture about Whitney Houston, find out what the Kirkland brand version of that would look like in beauty. Hark, the horrid movies are here. Let the ranking of the rank begin. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> you need a bell. I do need a bell. I need a bell sound button on the here. Um, so, yes, those are the five movies that we are looking at. Nine Bullets, Marmaduke, Beauty, The Man from Toronto, and Me Time. And if you think I repeated myself in that, I did but so did Kevin Hart. But we're going to tackle this chronologically as far as release date or release month goes. So that means we're starting with nine bullets. Let's give you a brief rundown on here. This film stars Lena Headey, Sam Worthington, and Dean Vazquez with smaller roles by Colin Camp, who played Kirkland from the Police Academy movies, and Barbara Hershey. It was written and directed by Gigi Gaston, limited release in April, and according to IMDb, has a worldwide gross of under $200,000. Why is is this movie here? Because of the critic score. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an audience score of 45%, but the Tomatometer is a big old round zero. So we're going to go with our new guest first. So Martin, what was your take on Nine Bullets? Um, it, it was a very confusing watch. It felt like they, there was a lot of stuff that they were trying to set up in terms of making you feel for the characters and then it never really paid off and I wasn't really sure what to feel watching it. Did it feel a little bit like there were parts of the script kind of missing? 
Yeah. Um, jumping around a bit, and you're kind of like, "Where? Where's this going next?" And then it it felt like it was paying off stuff that didn't get set up. So I mean, as you're watching this, like, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, "A, a, why are you watching this if you didn't have to?" But B, you got some really decent actors in here with Lena Headey, of course, from Game of Thrones. And Sam Worthington, who, who at one point in time was supposed to be the biggest thing, you know, to come to theaters, and now he's doing this kind of role. Like, like you're like as you're watching this, this it's like, how did that happen? Yeah, absolutely. It, it seemed like it had a really good sort of cast and setup, and it just didn't didn't pay off. Okay, so of the five films, as you're ranking these, uh, with one being the best of the five, five being the worst. Where does Nine Bullets sit for you? Um, probably, probably sits about four, honestly. Okay, okay, so not too bad. We've got Nine Bullets sitting at four. Greg, going to toss this one over to you. Uh, Game of Thrones cast, Clash of the Titans cast, and not a very good movie. How was Nine Bullets for you? Oh, thanks for asking, Jason. Hated it. Bored to tears <laughs> the entire time. Um, yeah, it. Every single scene felt like it didn't matter what order it came in. You know, it almost is like you could have taken the scenes, thrown on individual pages, thrown them up into the air, let them fall as they may, and then that's the order of our script, other than the first page and the last page. Like, so much of it is, and then it's always like, every scene is just, oh, how do we get away from the two guys who just caught up with us again that are trying to kill this kid? And it's, I, I just didn't care about any of it. And like, yes, Lena Headley's amazing. There's so many other great films that she's been in, even indie films that she's been in that I love. This one, I was bored to tears and I couldn't wait for the end. And it's like, oh, it takes nine bullets to kill me because I'm like a cat, blah, blah, blah. They only shoot her five times. And I said, shoot her four more. Go ahead. <laughs> you wanted you wanted her to get 50 cented, didn't you? I I didn't care for her. I did. The kid was kind of cute, but I still didn't care enough for the kid because the kid is also like, oh, I also like mine crypto or something. And it's like, I, I don't care. You know, like, uh, I, I hated this movie. You know, and, and there's the funny thing for a movie where everyone was trying to kill this kid. The kid didn't get scathed like once. No. Once. Everyone else gets shot. But him. I don't think he even gets a drop of blood on him. That's how like protected this child is in this movie yeah let's see here he's left alone for what probably feels like an entire day in a hotel by himself with no money and no food and some yeah also the plot is very um tired because actually i was describing this movie to my wife uh this past weekend and i forget what movie she said but like yeah i had to watch this movie where this like burlesque dancer turned uh, author has to like save this kid she goes oh you mean this movie and i'm like no it's not that movie she goes oh you must mean that movie i'm like no not that one either like a, i forget the name's up right off the top of my head right now but like this is something that hollywood's done multiple times like almost its exact format so like this is nothing new and it's still done poorly all right greg where does nine bullets sit on the list of five for you I'm going to echo uh, Martin's uh, listing and say this is a four. If we're assuming that, once again, five is the worst, this is a four for me. All right, Carrie, nine bullets. Yeah, I agree with everything <laughs> that was that was just said. Um, and there's really nothing, nothing more that I can add except... Um, e- 
I'm trying to find something nice to say about it. But oh, you're going when, Bambi on me here. When I'm when I'm halfway through the movie, and you ask me how it go, how it's going, and and I'm like, I still don't know what I'm watching and and why this is happening. <laughs> like it, I think it had potential, but as Greg mentioned, it was almost like the script was just kind of thrown together and maybe it was an editing decision, but I think it took too long into the storyline to actually figure out why this is happening. I mean, for the, for the first half of the movie, I'm like, what is the significance of the tablet? Like, why is this going on? And, and really, I mean, I was concerned for the kid. I'm really questioning, you know, where child welfare is going to come into the play here because I'm like, you know, this, this poor boy is now orphaned and, um, people are trying to kill him and and that's not, not good. I was also concerned for the dog, you know, (laughs) I, I didn't want to see any harm come to the, 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 oh yeah, the dog. Yeah. There's a lot of animal cruelty running through these films. Thanks for that, Jason. I, I, I just find it funny that Gypsy cares more about the dog than she does for the kid. I'm I just, mentioned the kid first. <laughs> I know, but Gypsy cared more for the dog. <laughs> like I'm, I, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, I have my thoughts. But where does Nine Bullets sit on the rank of five for you? It's at a four. Wow, on my list as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I hate to break up the four party here. Oh, or, you did. Or the four play, as it were. Um, but the foursome. <laughs> the foursome, exactly. Um, but I'm ranking this as a three. Now, how dare you? I, I know, right? Why? <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain here. The premise, at least, I can I can get behind. Like the whole, like you know, the family's gunned down because the guy's skimming crypto off of the the drug runner kind of thing. And I even get the fact that you know everyone lives in the, this trailer park kind of thing. So they they all kind of know Sam Worthington's character. Also, how far has Sam Worthington fallen? The fact that he's in this film, like. I think he's a good actor. I liked him in Clash of the Titans, and I loved the yeah. original Clash of the Titans. I actually really enjoyed Terminator Salvation, um, despite its flaws. If you told me the year the Terminator Salvation came out that there was going to be a Transformers movie, a G.I. Joe movie, and a Terminator movie that all came out in the same year, and I would like Terminator most of them, or most of, above all th- the others, I would have laughed at you. But here we are. He was good in that. He was he was the worst, most ineffective drug kingpin ever, or crypto king, or whatever the hell he was. He was just like, you know, I'm I'm with this blonde, but I really want to be with Gypsy, and don't mess with me, or I'm gonna walk away and let you walk away, and nothing's gonna happen. Like, oh, we'll hire some useless goons, right? Like, really ineffective. Like, I'm useless thinking goons. the goons in Roadhouse were more effective than the goons in this film. And then and they all, correct me if, I'm, if my memory's off, the ones in Roadhouse, it didn't end well for them. Didn't end well yeah, for these guys. Either. Yeah. I mean, the characters more often than not felt like they didn't know what they wanted to be, right? At one point, it's like they're sympathetic. At another point, they're just annoying as hell. The, the building blocks are there. The potential is there. 
but the direction and the and the script itself just aren't but in amongst the five of them it's it's middle of the road that's nine bullets for me so we've got nine bullets sits at three fours and a three moving on to marmaduke this film stars pete davidson and jk simmons with a voice appearance by mary hart the old Entertainment Tonight anchor, who was the voice of the Entertainment Tonight host in this one, which I kind of enjoyed that one. Uh, released in May on Netflix, but it does have a worldwide box office of $1.3 million. Uh, if it feels familiar, that's because 12 years earlier in 2010, there was a live-action Marmaduke movie that came out with a much better cast. That one had Owen Wilson as the voice of Marmaduke, with a live-action cast of Lee Pace, Judy Greer, William H. Macy, and a voice cast that included Emma Stone, George Lopez, Steve Coogan, Fergie, Kiefer Sutherland, Marlon and Damon Wayans, and Sam Elliott. So clearly we got the crap end of the dog stick on that one. Um, but I'm going to go to Greg to start this one off here. Uh, Marmaduke right. Duke for you. Uh, but before, before we let you get started, though, the 2010 film over on Rotten Tomatoes has a 42% audience score and a 9% tomatometer. The 2022, the Pete Davidson, 27% audience score, 0% tomatometer. Greg, is that 0% warranted? No, it's not. It should be in the negative numbers because this movie was atrocious. I like bad movies. I I think based upon the movies I've brought to this podcast before, especially Mac and me, I love a good bad movie. I have a confession to make. I did not watch more than 10 minutes of this piece of shit. I couldn't get through it. I could not get through it. So you said the J.K. Simmons in this is? I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear any of that because... In the first, like, 10 minutes, I'm infuriated. They don't start off with the whole, like, oh, this is Marmaduke's deal. They just immediately, like, big dog, he makes a big mess. And, like, you're supposed to assume that. And they have all these throwaways and, like, references to the comic strip. And, like, what you're they, – they take too much assumption that the audience is fully into the Marmaduke, like, deep lore and canon. You know, they, they just jump right to it. And the one thing that – absolutely boggled my mind was the the i'm so mad right now <laughs> just trying to think about this for, for was, the record was the character design the goddamn inconsistent characters on the animation level it is atrocious it is choppy the layering is wrong and like i don't know what the hell is going on with with the physics in this world because the mom the mom they decided to make re- relatively regular proportions but like thick as hell on her bottom but then that trainer dude, the guy with the purple shirt that's like, oh, I'm like the dog whisperer. I'm going to train your dog. He has literal toothpicks for legs. And I didn't know what was going on there. <laughs> I, I will have to say, first things first, as we were preparing for this, this episode, uh, I got a message from Greg. He's like, what the hell is this film? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh please read that up verbatim if you want. Go oh, ahead. God. But I, I do have to question. I do have to question. Um, it feels like when it came to the CGI for this, when it came to the animation, it's almost as if someone tried to explain to an alien animator what a human body looked like. Yeah. And they basically shipped out the animation to some different planet. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. But the part that really lost me, I was like, screw this, I'm out. Like, I can't anymore. 
is they, the dog owner, or not the owner, the trainer, excuse me, the dog trainer takes Marmaduke to the park, right? Like, first of all, the, the owners don't know anything about this dude, but he's like, oh, I'm world famous, I'm retired, but I'm going to make Marmaduke like my my crown jewel gem of like a project or whatever, fine. So he takes him out to the park. And the very first thing this man does to this dog is he hits him. He like does this like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, matrix like wire foo, like soul energy kick at the dog's face. Sends a key blast like Dragon Ball Z style at the dog's face. And then that's supposed to teach the dog. I was like, no, I'm out. Like, I'm not, I'm not here for this, for this lack of logic and also like sorry but like i don't like that message that like oh yeah just kick your dog and he'll learn a trick like no could i would <laughs> i you lost me immediately i like animals i don't believe in animal cruelty like whatsoever like even in the thing even when i'm watching john carpenter's the thing and i know spoilers alert for the thing fast forward 30 seconds even when i know the dog is the thing at the very beginning there i'm still like don't shoot at the dog why are you shooting at the dog poor doggy <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm pretty sure I can guess where you have ranked this film. Five, five, hard five. <laughs> okay, so we have hit the bottom of the barrel for Greg. Carrie, how is Marmaduke for you? It should have been a six. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, are you okay, Greg? Is, no, is going to be okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm stressing oh. candy right now because I had to think about Marmaduke again. <laughs> Jay, you broke Greg. That's oh. not cool. Not cool. There's um, only one film. There's only one film I've ever not finished besides Marmaduke. And people will hate me for this. You come at me for you flamers out there. But like, this is my confession. The one film I couldn't finish beside Marmaduke was Legend with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. I don't know what it was about the movie, but that movie was just boring to shit me too. Fascinating. But, I, I do have to say the only film I ever wanted to walk out of the theaters during uh, and Carrie, you'll you'll probably agree with this one. Is the dead don't die? <laughs> that film, okay. that the trailer looked great. I can respect that. Film, not so much. I kept watching, hoping that it would get better. Just hoping, waiting for the turn. Wait, are you talking the never... dead don't die? You're talking Marmaduke now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Carrie, Marmaduke. Well, now that I question everything. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I I ranked it a little bit higher than Greg, so um, I, I kind of right now feel like that clown with the SOS sign. Um, well, Greg's not going to laugh at that. He didn't make it that far. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> okay. Um, the the good the good things. Um, it, it it had a dog show and. Uh, <laughs> You know, that, that was cool. Um, it was worse than show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of, I giggled at the line, the Marmaduke, the not so great Dane. Um, but I mean, in hindsight, that that's that's really cruel. Mm. Um, so, trying to think of something nice to say. Um, okay, uh, I'll, I'll admit that, you know, I did turn to Che and I, I, we watched it with our youngest son, by the way. And so oh, I really so had to <laughs> <laughs> torture. Uh, I, I didn't mean to torture him. Now, um, now we're going to get Child Protective Services after us. <laughs> um, so, you know, I had to keep my my comments on this movie, you know, clean. But I, I did question the, the body composition of a lot of the, the characters. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of feel like the animation team might 
be robots. Know, no, I I was kind of thinking more like a like a kindergarten class project um, where they're drawing stick people, but mm. the, the body composition is is not that quite. Makes a lot of sense now. Um, now um, I, I do have to wonder though. Um, is there actually a comic? The, this was yeah. based, on, based a, on on a newspaper comic strip. Okay, were the people drawn that way? Because that I'm no, no. To so I used to read Marmaduke as a kid. It was a single panel comic strip, so it's not like you're doing like a three panel story. It's just a single thing, kind of like Ziggy, right? Where it's just like here's your one joke, and ninety percent of the time it's just Marmaduke like scaring the bejesus out of the mailman or fighting with his master over the armchair. That's it. Like, it's all just about, oh, aren't Great Danes so big? But it's always just a one-panel thing. So, like, but they were drawn normally. Like, if you've ever seen, like, um, like Dennis the Menace or something like that, it was, like, a similar kind of animation style. So does the classic uh, Marmaduke comic strip actually look like a... I don't know, a washed up Scooby-Doo? Like, is that kind of how he's supposed to look? Or <laughs> was No, this it's more of a realistic looking uh, Great Dane. Like, it actually looks like someone looked at a textbook for, like, dog breeds and was like, oh, here's a Great Dane. Cool, I'll draw that. Okay. Um, all the same, I, I actually, like I said, I ranked this movie a little bit higher, and that was really... Um, Grading on a curve. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> there were a few laughs, and... As, you know, as much as I agree and applaud everything, every point that uh, that you had, Greg, um, I think that I'm I'm going to I'm going to give it a three. OK, I'm going to I'm going to stand firm with that that uh, ranking again, only for the laughs. And um, I really enjoyed the talent show. So, you know, if you ever do revisit watching this movie <laughs> see it no. through to the talent show <laughs> portion of the dog show because uh greg's got a hard no on that one there. <laughs> i'll say this right now for those of you out there who want a good marmaduke film that's like not the 2012 one there's actually one that's an unofficial one that you can still use it's from it's on disney it's an old one called um the ugly doctioned and it's about a, a Great Dane who's raised in a litter of adoption puppies. So he thinks he's tiny, but he's actually big. But it's a great film. That just Go sounds that cute. One. That mm-hmm. sounds really cute. All right, Martin, Marmaduke, what you got? Uh, Marmaduke, it was, it was the first one of the five that I, that I watched. So it had me worried for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, it wasn't great. I... Uh, it, I, I agree with Carrie. Did uh, my first impression because I really didn't didn't have any idea going into it was this like a washed up Scooby Doo, um, the Kirkland and brand then, version. And and honestly, the the biggest redeeming feature for the movie uh, for me was was the SOS clown that just kept showing up. Uh, I found <laughs> that that very funny. I'm gonna go Google this now. I have to see this thing. Um, <laughs> It almost makes you wonder if, if that was the animators kind of putting in their own little "Please, dear God, don't make me work on a Marmaduke too." Yeah, the mm-hmm. clown, the clown really, really uh, was sort of how I felt throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> the I agree with Carrie that the 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 talent show was fun, um, but I, I and the char- the character design was so inconsistent. It felt like every 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 new human that showed up on screen was was sort of rolling the dice on what they were going to look like. 
and and if they're proportioned right or or what i mean i get people look different but this felt like you know various levels of the air hose being shoved up the ass when they're trying to design these people but uh, i'm i'm now curious i i never actually looked up which animation company actually did this but i'm pretty sure they're out of business right now um yeah who's responsible for this <laughs> so martin where did you put marmaduke on the on the ranking of 5 here uh i put it at 3 um it it was it was the first that i watched and you know it made me laugh at a couple points and and um so I'd have to put it at three. Okay. I, I'm going to break Greg here for a second. If you say one, I'm disconnecting. I swear to Christ. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I did put it at two. Wow. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Let, let, let me put this right Why? out on front. Okay, <laughs> let, let me explain. Let me put this right out on front street here. A, yes, we are kind of grading on a curve here. So this is the second best out of five really bad entries. But I, yes, we did watch this with our youngest. He actually liked it. And that's kind of what this film was meant for. Lots of fart jokes, lots of goofy humor. And while it it didn't, you know, hit that level of there's enough jokes in there for the adults, I do have to remind you, Carrie, that at one point you did guffaw quite loudly. I think it was during the clown SOS scene. But... It did exactly what it needed to do. It amused our youngest, right? He liked it. The jokes are there for him. This isn't necessarily a film for us, which is kind of funny that they they took a property like Marmaduke, you know, a property that should be aimed at people at our age because we probably read the comic strip in the newspaper, right? Big thing that shows up at your doorstep with words, newspaper. Um, But... They aimed it for the much younger demographic. And in that sense, I have a feeling if this was not a Marmaduke film, if it was just, you know, big clumsy dog that has Marmaduke Clifford type tendencies kind of thing, then okay, it's a different property, but it's Marmaduke, right? You expect certain things out of that. The Marmaduke humor was, you know, a low bar to begin with. And it kind of cleared that low bar. It's not saying much, but at least it it, un- it understood the assignment. So that's why it gets a two from me. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Okay, moving on to beauty. Starring Gracie Marie Bradley, Niecy Nash, Giancarlo Esposito, who is awesome in anything, and Sharon Stone for some reason. Uh, released in June on Netflix, this film has a tomatometer of 22% and a first for this podcast, an audience score of zero. Wow. Yeah, the audience turned its back on this. And if you're watching this movie saying it kind of feels a lot like the Whitney, it's supposed to be the Whitney Houston story. The scene where Beauty ends up on the 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 Irv Berlin show is almost identical to a Whitney Houston performance on the Merv Griffin show back in the day. You can find that clip on YouTube. But I have to say, I have to say, as I'm watching this film, the very first thing that comes to my mind as we're going through this, aside from Oh Dear God Why, is... If you've ever watched the sitcom 30 Rock, there's a story angle in that sitcom where they're trying to make a Janis Joplin biopic, but they don't have the likeness rights, the song rights, the story rights, the nothing rights. So they basically make a Janis Joplin type character for Jenna Maroney with character names like Janet Jopler, Jenny Jimplin, and of course, Jackie Jump, Jackie Jump Jump, which is the actual title for a season three (laughs) episode. This kind of felt like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump on this one first because this is my number five film. I mentioned that there was only one film that I ever wanted to walk out of the theaters. And that was uh, the dead don't die. I was begging for end of life while watching this film. Did you want the nine bullets? Oh, (laughs) and another nine on top of it, just to make sure that the job was done. This film, like, it's a shame too, because I, I fully admit that anything Giancarlo Esposito in is usually pretty good because Giancarlo Esposito is a phenomenal actor I'm just wondering who who had pictures of him that that he ended up in this film. It was so poorly directed. It felt like there were actual chunks and scenes removed from the final script. Like this, this film is an absolute 
mess. I the the twenty two percent critic score had to be the fact that people saw Giancarlo Esposito and said, "Oh, hey, I know him." I I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. This may be the worst film I have ever seen in my entire life. Damn. Wow. Like, Drop the mic. This, like this, I'm with the 0% audience score on this one. Now you know how I felt about Marmaduke. So, Oh, I, even still, even still, I'm sure this, I like you put Marmaduke at five though, Greg, like <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what you found redeeming in this one. So Greg, I'm going to go to you and then uh, beauty. <laughs> what were your thoughts on this? My thoughts were that it was better than Nine Bullets and Marmaduke. That's what my thoughts were. <laughs> um, like, at least this one had a story that I was kind of interested and in, invested in. You know, like the whole dynamic between her and her toxic relationship with her parents, both her mother and her father. You know, the the interesting back and forth that she has with her friend. I think her name was Jasmine in this film. Yep. Um, you know... I, I thought it was a very interesting choice, not one I agree with, but an interesting choice that it's a biopic about a famous singer and they never have the actress sing. Mm. I thought I thought that was a very unique perspective and approach to it. And I was kind, kind of like what you're saying with the whole like um, Janis Jorpolined or whatever <laughs> the 30 Rocks names were, you know, it's like, okay, maybe that's what it was. They just didn't have the rights to the music or something, but still that that's a fun workaround. The constant cutting to her right after she's about to record or after she's done recording. And then she's kind of flashing back in her memory. So I'm like, okay, I get this. But the reason why I also don't like this film is that it wastes so much time doing nothing. There's a scene very specifically, I remember, where she is in her house, Beauty is, and they show her a tracking shot behind her, leave her house, walk across the street, like down the block, like a couple houses, go through the side gate, through the backyard, up into the kitchen, say hi to some other person's mom. Oh, she's upstairs. Okay, cool. Tracks are going upstairs and then goes there and then Jasmine's upset. And it's like, why did we follow her for literally like three minutes? You could have just made it a 20 second. Like she opens the door and says, Oh, what's wrong? I came over to see how you're doing. Like, we don't need to waste that time there. And that's what this movie is. It's just like the, what's the opposite of cliff notes. It's like the, like purposefully like long drawn out, like vamping. It's almost as they were like the next scene's not built yet. Give us more time, make us more time so we can get the next scene ready. But it's a film. You don't have to vamp. It's like they took the Dan Brown novel and gave it the Tom Clancy treatment at that point. Yeah. And and that's the thing that baffled the crap out of me, right? We've covered some films on this show where, yes, you know, music is kind of like the basis from it. Like we just did an episode on Jem and the Holograms and they let Jem sing. Great film. And Jem could sing, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a film about someone who is a phenomenal singer. The entire thing is, you know, you know, this black woman with a once in a lifetime talent. Like, yeah. No one sings in this damn film. They spend more time watching people sing on TV than we actually hear them sing, and that that amount is zero. Like, Mm -hmm. at least have a song, right? At least Jackie Jump Jump had some songs written for her, like like when she's performing with Billy Hendrix at Woodsocks (laughs) before the vampires attacked. Oh, I I got issues with this film. But it's true. Like, there were scenes where it felt like it was... You know, you know, 
exposition through cinematography, right? I'm just going to stare out this window and be moody for like 10 seconds while a song plays for no reason whatsoever, right? Like it, it, it really felt edgy and moody for edgy and moody's sake. Martin. Oh, sorry. Before I get to Martin there, Greg, you, you ranked this at what? I, because it's slightly better than Marmaduke and beauty or nine bullets. I'm ranking this as a three. Ooh, that means you're doubling down on Kevin Hart in your one and two. Impressive. I, listen, we're going to get there, but yes, proudly so. <laughs> All right, Martin beauty. How was this one for you? I, started watching beauty about four times. Uh, I kept finding myself getting distracted by pretty much anything else. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd be zoning yeah, out and I'd come back in and somebody would be singing on a TV. Uh, I, I didn't end up finishing it just because every time I tried to watch it, something else was more interesting. As it was like, oh, we're just walking or the conversations often didn't feel like it was progressing to anything. It was just talking for talking's sake. Uh, oh, and, and the script though, like, is it just me or did it feel like it was just cliche after cliche after cliche? From what I saw of it. Yeah. Uh, I just, it didn't, nothing at any point in this movie had me invested. Now I'm, I'm scared to ask. Where are you putting beauty? I I have to put it at a five. Can I considering I couldn't get through it? <laughs> that sounds about right. That, that's like the Greg the Greg rating there on Marmaduke. All right, Carrie, how was beauty for you? I'm feeling like I stand alone here. Um, I felt that it was of the movies, um, probably one of the most watchable in that. Um, you and I watch movies very differently. I, I felt for the character. You know, um, I, I, you can really see that she was in, she was extremely talented um, in a household where she grew up praising her father. And he, you know, he, in spite of his flaws and clearly ruling his household with an iron fist, um, she still looked up to him until spoilers, until, you know, uh, her, her, it was almost kind of like her emancipation from a very controlling, very abusive, if you want to put it that way, family situation. Um, again, I truly felt for the character. I, 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 wanted to see her rise to fame. I wanted to see her, um, sing. Be, well, <laughs> that would have been nice and, and, you know, helpful to the, the story, but, um, yeah, you know, I wanted to see her succeed and I wanted to see her on her own succeed. Um, a few things to that. Um, I felt that Giancarlo Esposito was brilliant in his role. He was so frightening. And I've always kind of seen him as a very genuinely kind-hearted man. I was frightened watching him. Did you th- did you not remember I, the Mandalorian? Well, okay. It, but he has kind eyes. And in this one, he just, he was scary. I don't know. He just <laughs> seemed very 
Um, again, I was, I was uncomfortably frightened watching him. Um, you know what, uh, aside from that, um, yes, some music would have been nice, you know, it would have been nice to hear her sing, but I think, again, um, the lack of rights, um, and, and it would have given too much away, right? It would have been a little bit too self-aware that it was loosely, intentionally based <laughs> <laughs> on, you know, the unofficial, unofficially, you know, um, Whitney Houston story. Um, however, what I wanted to say is it was almost kind of like a day in the life or watching, you know, life ticks by fairly slowly or at a pace. And I kind of felt like maybe that was the intention of, you know, the extra scenes of, you know, she sits and listens to all sorts of various musical stylings. And I really enjoyed that because that was so pivotal in almost kind of her, um, her, her own style, right? Or when she was having that conversation with her record producer that she needed to sound a certain way, right? Even though she has grown up listening to more soulful music, perhaps. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And I just kind of wanted, I wanted a little bit, a little bit less of the brooding, like you mentioned, and a little bit more of her rise to fame because literally it was almost kind of like at one point um she's in a New York apartment and you know she's left her family behind and it's it's that moment of self-discovery how did it happen why are we here you know how did we get here (laughs) would have would have kind of been um I think nice to have seen in in the scripting um but I all things being what it is, I rated beauty at number two. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, I'm sitting here saying this is the worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. And you're like, ah, it's, it's not, not that, that bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, moving on down the list. To it's the, not Kevin Hart. <laughs> speaking of Kevin Hart, though, we uh, we have our first step in our heart to heart here. It's The Man from Toronto, which stars Kevin Hart, Woody Harrelson, Kaylee Cuoco, and Ellen Barkin. However, this film almost starred Jason Statham as the man from Toronto, but he left the production, apparently under creative differences, and Woody Harrelson stepped in. This film is directed by Patrick Hughes, who directed The Hitman's Bodyguard, The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife, and The Expendables 3, and has yet to apologize for any of them. Uh, This (laughs) film was mostly filmed in Toronto and around the greater Toronto area. Released in June on Netflix, it has an estimated budget of $75 million. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, this film has an audience score of 44% and a tomatometer of 23%. But if you look up The Man from Toronto on Rotten Tomatoes, you might get a little confused. Because in 1933, there was a movie released called The Man from Toronto, starring Jesse Matthews, who starred in Tom Thumb, and Ian Hunter, who played King Richard the Lionheart 
in the Errol Flynn version of the adventures of Robin Hood. So yes, there is another man from Toronto. No, it's nothing like this film. So to start though, we are going to the girl from Toronto, or at least around Toronto. Carrie, what did you think of the man from Toronto? Have I said Toronto enough times already? Uh, it's very akin to the drinking game that we could have played with the amount of times that they said the man from Toronto, which literally as the movie was going on was becoming like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like it was very triggering when I would hear the man from Toronto over and over and over. And it was just so incredibly annoying, almost annoying as Kevin Hart. Wow. Now, you had mentioned that there was an almost starring for Woody Harrelson's character, but I think any other actor, any other actor playing Teddy would have been better. <laughs> if, if you could literally speak with a question mark following the word, um, yeah, I, I could not get over Kevin Hart. He was, so you're supposed to feel bad for Teddy. He's trying. He his name's, has, his name's a verb. He has good intentions. He wants the best for his, his wife, his girlfriend to have the best birthday ever. And he is so aware that he's constantly not, He's not performing up to his his highest potential in life, in his relationships. And you really want to feel bad for him. I could not feel bad for Kevin Hart as Teddy at all. I am so sorry. It was a five. It was, wow. if I could have gone less wow. than five. Like, wow. Like, it, was a, it was a 10. I was so angered by this movie. And every wow. single time I heard either low toner or the man from Toronto. And I just. Maintain low toner. Personally, personally, <laughs> the whole like non-contact boxing. I wanted to knock Kevin Hart out. <laughs> wow. Number five. Ugh. 10. Fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. Negative. <laughs> Negative 10. Okay. I ha- I have to point this what out. What is though. happening? <laughs> <laughs> I broke the internet. <laughs> uh, again. Yet again. Uh, I do I do have to point out, though, that while we were watching this film, Carrie at one point leaned over to me and said, how many times do they actually say Toronto? So I counted. Please tell me. Not just the man for Toronto, but the, but the number of times the word Toronto was actually uttered in this film. And I left out the part where there's the little bill from, from Woody Harrelson's restaurant and the fact that he actually called the restaurant Toronto's. Oh, God, that's right. 37 times the word uh. Toronto was uttered. 37 can I just add the disclaimer, though? This is no disrespect to Woody Harrelson. I really like him. I have always really liked him. I thought he played his character well. I you know, just... he's not actually the man from Toronto, right? You don't have to be afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Although I I could see why they would put Jason Statham in that role to begin with. I can absolutely see it. Okay, Martin, we're going to the other side of Canada here. What were your thoughts on the man from Toronto? Uh of of the five, it was the one I think I enjoyed the most. 
contrary contrary to carry um i don't mind kevin hart um they did say toronto way too many times uh <laughs> but the pacing overall sort of it it felt like it was paced in a way that made sense and there was a story that i could follow this, this one i i i didn't hate so you like greg have both kevin hart movies sitting one and two i do where where does the man from toronto sit the man from toronto uh sits sits at number one for me wow we went from a five to a one Um, and i'm gonna jump in on this one here because it's also my number one carrie's just looking at me like i don't even know you anymore yeah i mean and i i will admit watching kevin hart in this i was getting some very 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 heavy chris tucker vibes while watching uh, mainly like from Rush Hour and, and The Fifth Element, because uh, that's a voice that will grate on your nerves till the end of the uh, the earth. But Woody Harrelson, like Jason Statham, I, could, I could, can easily see in this role. I think Woody Harrelson made it a bit more fun. He kind of brought that Zombieland vibe to him. Um, he, Hey, also, I don't know where the hell Kaylee Cuoco came from in this movie. Uh, she right? all of a sudden she, pops up. You said starring Kaylee Cuoco, and I, I think that we need to refigure what the word starring means because she's in <laughs> it for like two seconds. That That is basically like, hey, you'll know this name at this point. Um, I yeah. will say, though, uh, having Ellen Barkin, though, as as the the, the call and the line, the handler, there's, the, that was really, really cool. Um, I think Woody Harrelson really saved this film. And admittedly, I would never put the man from Toronto on on a much watch or a must watch list on anything and any year. But if I'm taking a look at it in comparison to these five films, this is actually the best of the of the bunch. So man from Toronto for me, Greg, you've got a you've got a one two punch for Kevin Hart. Where does the man from Toronto sit for you? Gonna jump on that. Everybody thinks Carrie's wrong train. This is the number one. Wow. Carrie with the with the with the holdout on number five. Greg, how was the man from Toronto for you? I liked it. I mean, of course, the whole like non-contact boxing thing is stupid, but I like Kevin Hart. I think he's fun. I think he's an entertaining man, and I like what he does in almost all of his movies. To me, what really sold this was the idea of him accidentally stumbling into the Ron house and then having to BS his way through an interrogation, not once, but like multiple times. That was like comic gold for me of him trying to hold it together, knowing if I tell them, Oh, sorry, Ron house, I'm dead too. So that was just genius. I loved it. You know, Woody Harrelson, of course, now that I know I could have had Jason Statham, I'm a little bit upset, but still Woody Harrelson's great. Um, You know, I, I almost had no problems with this movie whatsoever. I think, you know, I didn't notice the whole like, oh, they said Toronto a whole bunch that just kind of like flew under my radar. But when you mentioned it, it's like, oh, yeah, they kind of did because it's his name. You know, the one thing I I really have issues with is that this man wants to open a restaurant based around durian food. Do you have any idea how smelly durian is? No, thank you. (laughs) I do not agree with that end goal like dream of his. So stupid. But the rest of it, I enjoyed. This is a fun film. I would go back and watch this again gladly. It's one of those ones that I don't think it's going to ever stand out in my mind. Like in two or three years of like, oh, yeah, it's such a great film. Like I remember this part clearly. and I remember the plot of that. Like, but it's a good one. If it ever came on again, I would happily watch it. 
I do have to say too, as well. I mean, as far at least as far as a world building thing goes, the fact that you had all these other assassins that were working for the handler as you know the, yeah, man, like the from man from Russia, Hong Kong or whatever. Exactly. Like there's a there's a fascinating element there, and I mean, if it it, it if it was better of a film then you could see them kind of going further, you know, further down that road. And maybe there is another man from movie out there that will eventually. The nice thing too, is if it's a, if it's a different man from a different city, then you don't have to have Kevin Hart. So maybe Carrie will actually like that one here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last film of our 2022 rundown here. It's me time. Also starring Kevin Hart. Also Mark Wahlberg and Regina Hall and an appearance by seal. Written and directed by John Hamburg, who also directed uh, Along Came Polly, I Love You Man, and Why Him. According to IMDb, this film has an estimated budget of $80 million, $5 million more than The Man from Toronto. I assume that's all in the turtles that they bought. Released in August, this film has a 33% audience score over on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6% tomatometer. And as I'm taking a look at this, Carrie, this is your number one film. Why is Me Time your number one film? Well, although Mark Wahlberg couldn't save it, um, I, I found I usually really like him. I found his character very unlikable. In spite of that, though, I think my decision was based solely on the scene where Kevin Hart's character gets chased by the cougar. And um, I literally had, I guffawed. The the animal, not not, not an older woman. I had had (laughs) tears streaming down my eyes and a good laugh fit. Um, So because it reminded me, and it's ironic that Seal is in this movie because of- um, Pop star, never stop, never stopping. Exactly. The scene where uh, Seal gets chased by, is it a cougar as well? A uh, I, I can't remember if that was a lion or a tiger or something like that. Yeah, it was some or kind of a cheetah. Oh some yeah. large cat animal um, had chased Seal in that movie. And so I thought that was a brilliant nod. Um, but even, even at that, uh, I still gave this movie a number one, only grading on a curve from the other movies all right martin this is your number two film why me time at number two it uh it made me laugh um this one i did find it a very very humorous there are a lot of points that that had me chuckling um i found that there were a couple of subplots that kind of felt sort of thrown in um the talent show that that uh, that had it came to 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 end end with the talent show felt sort of a little bit forced to me, but um, but otherwise I I did enjoy it. All right, Greg, it's also your number two. Why did Me Time play so well there? Once again, I'm a big fan of Kevin Hart. I also like I do like a good Mark Wahlberg every now and then. I can only handle him so much. But like I haven't had a good Mark Wahlberg uh, helping in a while, so like I guess my palate is ready for that. Um, I kind of agree with what Martin said, though. Like some of it seemed like uh, kind of where did this plot line go, you know? And especially for me at the very end, it kind of felt like the end was almost like a little too rushed for me. If they had like 
taken like even just one or two minutes more to flesh out the whole like he's not really in trouble but he is on the boat but you know like we're just gonna have a business together like that just kind of seemed like oh we're we're reaching the end of our like number of allotted reels for this project like how do we wrap this up you know but i like the idea of you know the guy who's like it always has to be something big for my birthday please be part of this you know like not letting go of that old friendship even though like we've kind of moved on you know i i think that part was fun seal i always enjoy seal um i especially really liked him uh spoiler alerts for this show but he was a couple seasons ago i liked him when he was on the mass singer you know uh seeing him be able to sing different songs than his own just to prove how good of an artist he is um but yeah, overall, the only reason that this didn't beat out the man from Toronto, like I said, is just I felt that some some parts were rushed. Some parts kind of dragged on a bit more for like the plot points than they should have. So it wasn't as clean and tight as the man from Toronto felt. OK, and I have this film as my number four film. Um, I, I think that the thing for this with me is that, you know, again, like Martin said, the the, the whole you know the, the 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 good thing at the end like the, the 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 talent show and all that it's like it's almost like they try to shoehorn in like a happy ending kind of thing this film needed to be just an hour and a half of just straight up off the wall can't believe you're watching all of this that like that kind of gross out humor that kind of like just beyond insane and unfortunately it wasn't that it wasn't even memorable at times. Like it's, this is a, a meandering film. It's meandering time. I, I, I can't even, it was boring. Like, and that's saying something about a movie with Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg. The potential was there. The Uber driver was okay, but that's about it. I don't know. In comparison to you know the laughs you know, and the action and all that from the man from toronto and i think that's probably it too kevin hart had a decent film in the man from toronto admittedly grading on a curve here but and then this like a month or two later it it paled in comparison to the man from toronto i, I mean that's i mean it's not beauty that's a good thing but it was my <laughs> number four film okay so doing the quick rundown here martin Going from five to one, what was what were your films? Uh, at number five, I had. Did I have a number five? I didn't actually write it all down. Um, but at number five, I had Beauty. Um, I couldn't get through it. At number four, I had Nine Bullets. At number three, I had Marmaduke. At number two, I had Me Time, and at number one, I had The Man from Toronto. Greg, run it down for five to one. Number five, Marmaduke, atrocious movie. Number four, Nine Bullets, boring as hell. Number three, Beauty, better than those other two. Number two, Me Time, not too bad. At number one, The Man from Toronto, 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 Toronto. You still missed a few. Toronto, 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 Toronto. Carrie, your rundown from five to one. <laughs> At five, we have the man from Toronto. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> um, of which, you know, I I didn't hate. I, I Just, I have to say, I did not hate 
how Woody Harrelson said Toronto, I am not one of those hardcore Torontonians that wanted to attack him for his pronunciation of our Wait, is there a wrong way to say Toronto? I don't know about this. So says the internet. I I don't... I I mean, we've heard it a few different ways already on this episode. Okay, let's go around here. Martin, say Toronto. Toronto. Greg. Toronto. Gary. Toronto. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. So, what is it, the hard T at the end? Uh, well, it's one of the things. You can either go Toronto, Toronto, or Toronto. Almost like it's a D at the end. You know, oh, very Homer Simpson. Don't. What? Yeah. Really? Maybe. Oh. I guess it depends on how drunk you are. <laughs> Maybe. Why not? <laughs> depends uh, if you're slurring. I don't know. It was a good beer. Anyways, Carrie. Okay. You run now. Five to one. Five. The man from Toronto. Uh, four is nine bullets. Three is Marmaduke. SOS. Um, <laughs> at number two, I had beauty and at number one, me time. All right. And I've got beauty at number five is the worst film I think I've ever seen. Number four is me time. Number three, nine bullets. Number two, Marmaduke and number one, the man from Tirana. Okay. Before we wrap up our 2022 look back at some of the worst movies that this year has seen released, I'm going to go around the table here, and Greg, I'm going to start with you here. Was there a movie released this year worse than those five? I can't think of a single one that I would ever wish onto anybody of an enemy of mine more than Marmaduke. So no, I nothing. Marmaduke is the absolute pinnacle of the bottom of the pit for me. So no. Carrie, is there a 2022 movie that is worse than I'm, these five? I'm thinking back. Thor Love and Thunder was a 22. Was it? How it was. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> You're broke, Greg. Oh no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Carrie, we were, Carrie, we were Mr. Right friends. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> we're, we're no longer cool, are we? Oh, no. No, no, um, no. It's just we're going to have to have some counseling. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through this. Carrie's taking I want to salvage down. this relationship, so we'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Martin, is there a 2022 film that you think deserves to be on this list over one of these five? I, I can't think of one. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking Morbius should be on the list. Oh, oh was Morbius, Morbius this year? Morbius was this year. Holy sh**. Yeah, that, that beats out um, beauty for me. I'd like, like to change my answer. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. We already, we've already covered Morbius on this show. We've also yeah, you did. We've also covered The Bubble on this show. And I thought The Bubble was great, personally. That wasn't um, too bad. Yeah, bubble does, The Bubble doesn't deserve to be one of these five, that's for sure. Um, Thor, Love, and Thunder, I mean, if you're grading on a Marvel curve, yeah, sure, maybe, but... I was just thinking back to movies... That we went to see in theater in the past, the, the most recent past. And I fell asleep during one of the scenes. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into that movie. And that's, that's where I was. But definitely the vote goes to Morbius. Yeah. Uh, Black Adam is up there as well. When you, when you think about it, I mean, I think it's only got like what a 33% tomatometer. Um, and it was meandering to a point, but that's just me. That's just me. Morbius, though, probably should be on the list, but we already talked about that film. Okay. We are also closing in on the Razzies. 
which will probably be announced around the same time as the Oscars. So, Carrie, I'm going to start with you. Is there any performance in any of these five movies that you think will warrant a Razzie nomination? Hmm. I'm afraid to answer because I... Oh, no, put put it out there. I apparently stand alone um, with my opinions of of Kevin Hart. Um, You can put him out there. It's fine. Safe space, safe space. Kevin Hart as Teddy in The Man from Toronto. I... I, I will say I, I have Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg listed down as a, no, a potential nominee for worst on-screen combo. But I would also put Andrew Dasunmu. I'm going to apologize if I messed up that name, but I'm an idiot in the basement with the microphone. Um, as potential for worst director for beauty. Um, not necessarily the actors in beauty, but I think they're just working with a paper-thin script and a, and, and a you know, rudderless director. Again, personal thought. Martin, is there any performance in any of these films that you think will end up with a Razzie nomination? Yeah, I could see uh, Beauty uh, with the the worst director. Um, it really didn't feel like there was anything supporting the story. Like, it, it wasn't directed well. All right, Greg. Who's, who's getting a Razzie out of this? I... I forget if they do animated or not, but for sure Pete Davidson deserves something for his soulless, how much am I getting paid for this performance in Marmaduke? Like, his voice just was so bland and blah. I couldn't stand it. Um, trying to think of anyone else who was really bad for their performance in this, in these other movies, though. I mean, not Lena... I'm trying to go through nine bullets, not Lena Headley. She was at least, she was the only good part of that film, really. But even still, like, just, I couldn't keep up with the script. What was the guy's name again? Oh, Sam Worthington. Yeah. I wasn't digging him at all. I I can see that. I can see that. I can also see Pete Davidson hiding every single, you know, Netflix account from Emily Ratajewski. So she doesn't see it and sees exactly, uh, I, I don't, I don't understand the Pete Davidson thing. I just don't. I don't either. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you do realize, though, that we are going to have to at some point gather as we get close to the Razzies and take a look at those. But that is for another episode. Martin, Greg, Carrie, thank you all so much for suffering through these five movies that were all released this calendar year. We'll have to do this again next year. This is grading on a curve and it's not that bad production uh if you're looking for us on twitter you can find us at not that bad cast if you're looking for us on facebook can't stop that elon can you uh you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash not that bad cast um even though we have kind of crapped on these movies you know what go watch them because you never know what you're gonna like (laughs) sorry greg i gotta put it out there Go watch the films. Decide for yourself. Decide for yourself, fine. Exactly. Thank you for all the listens, for all the mentions, and for all the guest appearances on It's Not That Bad this calendar year. Thank you so much for a really, really good 2022. Until next time, Happy New Year, everyone. This is Grading on a Curve, and It's Not That Bad production. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.